Game Boys. Hey there, Internet. Welcome to another episode of the Game Boys Podcast. My name is Lux and I'm your host. And joining me as always, he couldn't be more upset that Rush Limbaugh took his Medal of Honor. It's Griffin Dave. <laughs> they only get, there's only one and you have to defeat the last person to gain the medal, right? Yeah. And you would just you would just come back from ripping some old person's heart out and it was ready to be yours. And then they just what? skipped you in line. Well, I think without a doubt, Rush Limbaugh is the first person I'll meet in the nether realm. But yeah. we'll, Wait, we'll it, it, since, it's, since it's passed down through combat victory, does that mean that cancer is eventually going to win the Medal of Honor? <laughs> God, if I can. That's the dream, right? Yeah, to, then no one else can get it until some to, scientist saves the day. Yeah, well, to be the last one with the medal and then cancer starts creeping up and you're like, well, you know, yeah, but then cancer like transforms yeah. its body into Shang Tsung. Oh, and, no. you know, it, it's it's all is revealed. Yes. Oh, we'll yeah. get there because all is about to be revealed in a little bit. Yeah. Um, so speaking of reveals, let's reveal our guest this week. We've been trying to get him on the pod for a long time. He's an avid gamer in the scene. He's an, he's he's he's, he's po- he posts. He posts online. And, and, <laughs> and aside from gaming, He's an, one of my favorite sketch comedians to watch, to lull, to ruffle Mao. Uh, he has an excellent show, Super Dating Simulator at the Pack Theater. Those are the credits that I know. Welcome to the podcast, Sam Weller. Uh, thank you so much, man. What an intro. Uh, really appreciate being here with the Game Boys. Incredible. Yeah, wow, thank you, you, you for did it better than Lux ever has. Yeah, I don't know. I invented other people can perfect it. That's how it works. <laughs> I George like Washington to do Carver it. didn't make perfect peanut butter. He just made the mm-hmm. first peanut butter. I like to add a couple extra intonations. <laughs> Boy, is that, you yeah. know, like you add extra Z's and V's, mm-hmm. you know, so that's maybe some thing. umlauts and some tildes. That's right. That um, used to be how we did it, but then it became too weird. <laughs> Uh, Sam, welcome to Game Boys. We're very excited to have you today and to get excited for this very particular specific episode. And we'll get a lot more into that later. Mm-hmm. But up top, I, I wanted to ask you more about this show you do. Because, oh, okay. Because it's one of the, the only video game related or inspired shows uh, that doesn't suck. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I haven't seen it, well, but I've I, only heard the best shit. <laughs> man, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, Super Dating Simulator is mm-hmm. a uh, it's it's the best way to describe it as an interactive comedy experience where I based it on my love of like Japanese dating sims oh, and yeah. anime and and video game tropes in general. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is that the audience takes control of a character as they sort of navigate their way through a romantic and entanglements as well as like a lot of different adventure tropes Uh i think the thing that i like the most about super dating is that like we kind of tackle like almost every single genre that you could possibly think of. We, st- I mean, right. we're still not, we've been going for almost two years yeah. and we still haven't exhausted it. Uh, every show's different, uh-huh. but like my, my favorite stuff is when, you know, folks like the game boys and, and your guys audience uh, is when I can get in all those little references sure. to like mm-hmm. gaming culture and like what, it what like meta jokes, you know, mm-hmm. similar to a movie like Airplane, right? Where yeah. it's like you kind of hang a hat on a hat on a hat mm-hmm. on something. So we always reference like, well, I'm sure once you build up your stats with my character, you'll get to learn about my ultra tragic backstory. <laughs> uh, that's a reoccurring thing we do. Nice. Also referencing <laughs> the fact that um, even some of the uh, more on the line or, or, or skeevier examples of dating sims mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, it gets it often just gets straight up sexual. Yes. Uh, we'll have reoccurring gags where, mm-hmm. you know, the characters always reassert the fact like, <laughs> but don't worry, I am 18 years old. <laughs> it's like it is it is all. So we keep it pretty light and fun but like it's really if great that happened in a persona game sales would drop sales would <laughs> plummet, plummet. <laughs> wait these kids are all 18 <laughs> i'm never, I'm never touching the royal i don't care <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and you also you guys do this thing with the show where you actually create alternate endings, or, yes, or, or alternate scenarios, like yes. kind of choose your own adventure. Yeah, so well, we we like you said, we try to keep it interactive. Uh, yeah. We we like with with those things, like the decision points are the opportunity. Like people have placards and they go, "We want to do this choice, we want to do that choice," yeah. and we track a grade throughout the entire show. Yeah, and then by the end of the show, I you know myself or Sarah Brown or Reed Seitz. Mm-hmm. Also, the producers of the show, um, they uh, they write multiple endings for every show. Wow. So sometimes we've gotten people that have gotten like audiences, I should yeah. say. It's a collective effort uh, that often get like 
a B or an A, and then they're like, "Yeah, we've we've ended with D's." Wait, so <laughs> you, uh, wait, you give the audience <laughs> then they have a, a terrible ending. Does anyone you ever give the get the S? Score? Does anyone ever get the S grade? Oh, the S grade. Oh, yeah. So what's funny uh, is that we have not had an S grade yet, but that's a reveal <laughs> that we're going to have at some point this year. Hell is yeah. the super secret S grade? We're getting like way more in the in the in the deep end with like how we're doing references. Uh, yeah. Our upcoming show in February, uh, we have a Dungeons and Dragons theme, so we're literally going to have die rolls at mm-hmm. some point nice. <laughs> throughout the show yeah. to determine whether or not things succeed. Uh, I feel like even. Yeah. Four years ago, this show would have been too inside. But like video games have come on the scene and just the the nature and like the the topics inside video games have become so mainstream that like anyone knows now about Dungeons and Dragons yeah. and like rolling dice and stuff. And I think that's a, just to put a cap on it, like that's kind of the best part about Super Dating Simulator is that even people that have no clue what to make of the pitch, like when they hear it, mm-hmm. they end up coming to the show. They see immediately how it works. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, I got to come back. I got to I got to see it again. We've honestly gotten like a lot of the people that have worked on the show and actors in the show just because of like the goodwill of, yeah. of everybody that's come to see it. So honestly, mm-hmm. I just thank them for it. But, you know, we're not just skewing video games or skewing anime. We're skewing like a bunch of stuff that that I'm personally interested in. So, yeah, it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. We, we try to I try to think of it as just kind of like this broad, almost vaudeville mm-hmm. level of uh, of of skewing things yeah, cool. yeah. i have and two more quick questions if you yeah, don't mind please. um because yeah, i'm please. i am curious about the show and i have been for a while <laughs> so i'm super excited to, get to ask um so when you write the show do you also write different scenes based on like possible decisions like do you have like a branching script because that seems right. that seems fucking insane to me that to, to rehearse insane so yeah. that's kind of that's kind of the fun of it is like if you're doing an improv show right like you would just you just kind of would know that the, the the actors the performers are flying by the seat of their pants but with this one it's like we try to curate and kind of craft an experience yeah. so that the audience still gets the benefit and yeah we do we write like whole separate chunks of how the story could <laughs> oh go my God. when I first was writing the show we did a show I think the second show that we ever did at right. our at uh, before we got our current time slot, fourth Fridays, 8 p.m. at the Pack Theater, uh, when when I did a choose your own thank you, I cho- <laughs> choose your own adventure style. Yes, where I literally had like five different chunks of dialogue <laughs> choices, and I realized like how insane that is to yeah. actually <laughs> see it on the page. And then you go, folks. "Ain't no fucking way we're getting this done in 45 minutes." Right? You know? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Banana I mean, phones. I don't know my yeah. one page of lines, much less two timelines of lines. If you were to write out <laughs> like the Secret of Monkey Island, for example, and like actually see the scripts that they work with, yeah. I mean, it would be staggering. You know, you wouldn't be able to do even a a, a bare bones play version of that, you know, uh, where the audience gets to choose. Right. Yeah, I've but actually been do- working on I have, I recently got hired to, to write on a video game. Um, Great. Uh, which is cool. Yeah, <laughs> I just it's thought a, it was like, cool. that's awesome. It's a, it's a small, cool. a small anything. But like trying to write Great. dialogue for like branching shit. It's fucking like I think I'm eight minutes into the game, allegedly, and I have like 40 pages of stuff <laughs> like it's it's nuts. The idea of trying to do that monthly for a show that like reboots every time. That's fucking wild. That's so fucking cool. That's yeah. really fucking rules. I, I wrote the majority of the shows in year one, but like I said, Sarah and Reed, um, they, they, they've uh, Reed uh, scribed the last show in January, and Sarah's going to be scribing this one in February. Uh, they, they've really picked up on, we're, 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 you know, I created it, but together as a yeah. team, I think we're really re- enriching the format and we're, mm-hmm. we're allowing like other voices and other kind of stories to like get told within sort of this format. Right. So I think that's the most exciting thing moving into year two is like other people writing for you yeah <laughs> that's exciting but yeah, yeah. don't write my show i mean <laughs> lux will you do it i mean i've helped <laughs> that's true that's true well yeah sarah brown and reed bryce they're very very funny yeah, sarah's yeah. been a guest uh, on the a, show sarah reed, reed sites yeah 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 i'll read sites yeah, yeah. sorry bryce um, has uh they have also performed i thought th- i thought i thought yeah reed might have been um, so on the, the show. other question that i have is like so dating sims we've done a few on the show they, you know, the genre of dating sim can take place like within the broader genre of like anything else. Like you can have dating sims in space or dating sims with like weird mole people or with wizards or whatever. Um, so you do that like across the board, like sometimes the dating sim, whatever, like you hit all those different like big picture genres as well. Totally. Uh, the first show we did was a magical dating public school. The second show is closer to like the LucasArts stuff. It was a steampunk adventure. I mean, we had we've had the one that we're doing at the Alamo Draft House uh, coming up February twelfth, which is our first show there, the Alamo Draft House in Los Angeles. Uh, we're going to be doing the famous a, one. 
the famous, you know, <laughs> yeah, the first the one, the, the one in L.A., the one that matters, <laughs> the Alamo in L.A., the one that matters. Uh, but we're doing a robot. We're doing a reboot, oh, a yeah. little reboot of mm-hmm. a robot musical. I actually have written about, uh, I think, four different musicals as well. So we have uh, we have songs that I've written, uh, original so, stuff. So are you doing are you doing a live show? We do. All, in we front all, to of answer your screen? question, Lux, we do all sorts of genres. Yeah, that yeah. sounds we cover, like that, we run oh, we run God. the board. Yeah, every single okay, thing sorry, I hear I'll, about the show we'll, makes me want to try and plot my next LA trip around the fourth Friday <laughs> of a month. Seriously, no. I think that I think the Game Boys should probably have some kind of. I mean, I, maybe I should save this for the end. Spoilers, but I, I mean, I think you guys should probably make an appearance. We'd love to be on the next one. If yeah. there's a teleprompter, because we're not going to know our lines, that would be even better. I mean, that's that's the advantage <laughs> of the cameo, right? You just sure. come on, yes. you get the laughs, and you get uh-huh. the hell off stage, and you start enjoying the after party before the party even starts. Maybe oh, yeah. we can be some sort of big bad that's just alluded to, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah the, the, the puppet master, we're, we're like just, Lux. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're just the fucking, we can just be the school bullies. Griffin's very intimidating, and I look like a scumbag. It's a perfect duo. <laughs> yeah, and I'm tall, and you're short. We're like the bad guys from um, the Fantastic height. Mr. Fox. <laughs> We've well, had we've had uh, a really good run of duos. We had a uh, uh, Michael Goldenberg and uh, uh, Kevin Noonan who oh, played correct. some bad boys. Uh, famous duo. Famous yeah. duo. <laughs> Classic Game Boys guest. <laughs> yeah, that's how. I was, yeah. So yeah. it's like uh, if your if your audience is interested at all, mm-hmm. we I want to be posting more clips online. But a, a lot of the stuff is because we're doing riffs and remixes of like established stuff. It, it can be hard to sure. get that up there. Sure. But I think uh, mm-hmm. obviously you know we want to encourage people to come see the live show. You but should thanks do, for letting me talk about course, it for so yeah. long. I didn't expect that. You oh, should yeah, uh, I mean, we'll cut most of this out. And uh, yeah, you should you should do what me and Lux do, which is we post Game Boys clips with no context. And you just have to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they make sense. Sometimes they super don't. Um, and, you <laughs> well, know, we decide. <laughs> The, the, that show sounds incredible. Um, if you're listening to this, please go check it out and we'll plug it again at the end. But let's talk about games in general. Mm. Sam, we ask this question to every guest. What have you been playing this week? And awesome. if you haven't been playing a game, you can talk about anything because because life is a game slash a highway. OK, I've actually got uh, two big recommends that have been uh, first off uh, Switch Clan Rise Up. Yeah, please. Oh, yeah. Switch big, Clan yeah. Rise Up. Someone someone has to. Yeah, uh, somebody has to. Somebody has to stick up for the gamers. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I've been playing on my Switch. I've been working through uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Okay. Uh, I alternate between wanting to try and just like spend my entire life trying to get like a shiny, uh, you know, Raichu or Pikachu, yeah, wh- you know? What is the value of these shiny Pokemon? Are they so sh- I don't even know, man. Are like, they it's, one, like, it's one of these things where it's I think It's a different like, sprite, and I think they have like slightly better base stats, but that might not okay. even be true. Yeah, it's definitely so, a different sprite. That's for sure. It's a yeah. different sprite. It's a <laughs> you may, you want it for the schemes, man. The color schemes. Sure. So so I think the game is interesting. I'm sure you know, a lot of people uh, at this point. It's been long enough in the life cycle. Pokemon Sword and Shield for the Switch, mm-hmm. where like the competitive scene folks are already like kind of taking over what the meta conversation is about. It is sure. Uh, you know how the online works and stuff like that. I don't mess around with that stuff. I was that kid in grade school that when he was playing Magic the Gathering, I would sit down by myself and my shoebox full of cards and I would legit just spend hours making my own decks and shuffling them and doing like solitaire style opening draws Uh, to see if like my mix was good or whatever. And I would like practice plays. (laughs) Dude, it was like if you were to if you were to like put a little camera on the corner of of that living room, just the saddest little boy just like playing Magic. Magic by himself. So I do yeah. I apply the same theory to Pokemon sure. where a lot of it is like I'm I'm like I'm role playing as that mm-hmm. person and I'm just trying to like craft the perfect team that is not just type pleasing and like moves pleasing, but like aesthetic. Oh, so like okay. I'm not even I'm not even like in the competitive scene. Like I think anybody could wipe the floor with me, but I, I get on this collect I either get on a collector thing, mm-hmm. where, but I'm not trying to get them all. I'm just trying to get like this one sure. type. You know? Now, big question. Now I ask every sort and shield uh player this should the pokemon be big and this question says a lot about uh, you <laughs> i think the pokemon should be big okay and the reason why is uh from a design standpoint uh-huh. it gets you to understand if i just put this pokemon into photoshop yes. and i clicked and held <laughs> shift and just blew it up would it still be uh, a, a, a arousing <laughs> and then b uh uh 
able to sell me more merchandise of its like that's true well i guess you're it, it checks both of those boxes indeed <laughs> for me it's like the game i beat i've beaten sword and shield mm. and like there's so many moments the game is I'm like telling close. you like maybe making the pokemon big is a problem or a bad thing but no character ever acknowledges that <laughs> yeah they sort of like saw they sort of like trap god in a pokeball and then they're like problem solved make it as big as we want i was anti-big pokemon until i met the one that was a building and then when i met the that was sick then i met the big pokemon who was a building i was like big pokemon are good because you can have a pokemon who's a building i think and i think that was the first pokemon that changed my mind that was like some pokemon should be big yeah because he's a a small build a poke like a four foot tall building pokemon is dumb as hell but like a 12 story (laughs) building pokemon is like Yeah, small town, town hall Pokemon, no go. Mm -hmm. Skyscraper, great. Also opens the possibility that in future installments, we'll get to understand all the little Pokemon that live inside the other Pokemon's building. Mm -hmm. And then we can, you know, sort of Animal Crossing inside an apartment building, but the apartment building is also alive. Yeah, I want to imagine my body as a vessel for like a ton of tiny Tom Nooks crawling around around inside of me. Just Mm -hmm. a bunch of Tanuki just messing it up. Oh my God. I have like itching from See, you have itching. (laughs) I have something else growing. Yeah, (laughs) And it's all about Pokemon. No, I I like playing the game. I'm almost done with it. And I agree with you. There's a lot of things that they just sidestep completely. Pokemon growth being, I think, down here in the list (laughs) of concerns in the Pokemon world. But it, it all goes back to like friendship i think also this is the first time because i hadn't played a pokemon since pokemon red okay period wow that's period crazy i'd fallen it off so when i'm playing it like the first like you know 10 hours i'm like this is amazing and then at a certain point i'm like this game is for children and i shouldn't expect the narrative to take me anywhere that's why i kind of like doubled down on like well i'm just gonna grab the cute ones by the way uh raichu has always been my personal favorite oh can't really explain why wow so you kind of like uh, you like want Pikachu to evolve. I want I want to get big. Because everyone wants Pikachu to stay the same. No, I, I think Pikachu, like people, hmm. they need to have the space to grow. Whoa. And the other thing, too, is speaking of growth, my favorite new Pokemon of this next batch, I don't even know if it's new for this game. Maybe it mm-hmm. is Appleton, the lizard apple one, pie one dragon. Of, one of my main. Yes. Dude, freaking Appleton's the best. It the is. Big thick straight boy. shots yeah, of Appleton. Like a, it has like these. What, like, what's that? It said straight shots of Appleton. <laughs> um they had uh yeah they they it's also okay it's a, it's, a, it's also a, a badass character because it has all those dragon moves too yeah and it seems to level up uh very quickly yeah i don't know if it was just a certain thing with my type i don't mm-hmm. know evs ivs all those secret mm-hmm. stats but uh i respect it i guess the thing I, I will end by saying is like mm-hmm. i respect the hardcore scene mm-hmm. for pokemon and I don't know why it's compelling, mm-hmm. but I'll listen to people. Have you got, do you guys know about the rap cipher scene for certain video games where they do like a 20 minute, like endless kind of like rap, like sequence? a free, like a freestyle. Yeah. yeah, But like they, they bring on like notable streamers to like mm-hmm. cut, cut sick rhymes. Oh, because Twitch streamers games. are the best rappers. Yeah, sure. Surely <laughs> Ninja will do a great job. <laughs> I mean, I, some of these guys seem to have real good skills, but there's Whoa. a Pokemon cipher that came out recently that I just really enjoyed because they are dense references to like competitive Pokemon, but set to like just sick beats. You yeah. know, I, I feel mm-hmm. like yeah, there's a whole realm that needs to be discovered for that. Uh, you know, and me, I, I still stand a Scyther as my rap god. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Look at at this guy. References all day. Lux, what have you been playing this week? Um, Finally, I'm not playing a game that Slay the Spire or the game we're playing for the week. I'm playing two games that are different. One, I'm having a (laughs) lot of fun playing Aviary Attorney, which is a lot like Phoenix Wright, except you're a bird in 1840s France. Wow. They could have just done the bird, but no, they went back in time. Yeah. So you're a bird in like fancy, like post Napoleon France, and it is mwah. You're solving crimes. The criminals are cats or other animals. It's there's I frogs. Other, it's all kinds of red wall bullshit. It is awesome. Uh, that sounds sick. It's so much fun. It's got a great sense of humor. It's really goofy. As we've talked about in the show a lot, I really like games where you can be a bird 
Yes. Um, that's come up before. <laughs> Skatebird, uh, Untitled Goose Game, etc. The parts where Kazooie can go by himself and Banjo too. Yeah, I think we did talk about that. Like, <laughs> I I like being a bird, so that appeals to me. A game I've been playing that I don't like, that we'll have to get it more into in a different episode, yeah. is Warcraft 3 Reforged, baby. Let's go. Soon to be maybe our next episode. Yeah, a game that had, at least a lo- like a week ago or a little less, a 0.8 out of 10 on Metacritic. Let's go. Honestly, hell yeah. It's a disaster. Like, it dude, it is a I fucking disaster. All they did, <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, all they did was would. minorly upgrade the graphics, make the uh-huh. UI maybe better, but also maybe worse, mm-hmm. and then fucking get rid of all the cool online shit from the old game and replace it with a new system where anything you make in the game belongs to blizzard it's literally a downgrade it's literally removing features yeah, it has and it has none of the things when they announced it they, <laughs> when they announced it, they were like gonna fucking the graphics are gonna be sick we're gonna redo all the cutscenes with like cool cinematography angles we're gonna redo all the bad voice acting we're gonna clean up the ui it's gonna be so much fun none of I str- it i straight none up don't, it i straight up think that like once blizzard like over the last 10 years like they stopped like they stopped like hiring more people and they just started just giving more money to like three executives like like it feels like they're like blizzard is it sounds a billion like, it sounds like a company, company am I right? that's like severely understaffed but that well well i mean some of that has to do with people's perception about you know blizzard activision and that relationship mm-hmm. yeah. and you know we've known from <clears throat> previous you know activision's track record is about um iterating on things that are successful mm-hmm. you know trying to increase the bottom line you know making a case for it it just seems funny to me that like you know, Halo does its big re-releases and by all ways and means, like people seem to be fairly receptive to that. But then But they're not like re and not, WoW rebooted, you know, recently. They they did WoW but Classic. That's just like, and, but like Halo and WoW, they're like they're like boom, we took it and now it's here again. They're sure. not like we gave it a facelift and we removed But that's features. but that is what they do. Well well they're removing features, I don't know, but that's all but that's all they're required to do is to give it a facelift. So I'm I'm just curious, maybe to the point about, you know, was this an edict from Activision to say we just need to do something with Warcraft 3, you know, with zero intention of trying to like, you know, bring Warcraft back as like a real time as an RTS uh, thing. Well, I you think know, it's, unless this, it's yeah. two things. I think one is actually that it was an attempt to like make the Blizzard, like make Warcraft 3 a competitive RTS esport thing again. Yeah. But two okay. is like, this is just a classic case of overselling and under delivering. Like they yes. made very specific claims about what the upgrade was going to be. Right, right, like, right. Like they were very specific about like new camera angles, new voices, etc. And then <laughs> camera they, angles. Because well, everyone's a new camera well, angle the whole thing for this like, fucking game. Well, because all the all the shitty cutscenes were all like in like in game <laughs> animations. They were like, fuck that. Like we'll make new ones with cool CGI and like realistic cameras, whatever. And those suck too. And those aren't. They don't. They didn't, they didn't <laughs> even make them. They didn't make new ones. They're they just the other ones, the old ones. And it's just like, and it's that, that's the thing. It's like like Halo and and WoW Classic. We're just like we're gonna like do a facelift on yeah. these games you love and put them back out there. And they yes. were like, we're gonna do a facelift, and here are the specific surgical procedures we will do to make this facelift happen. And they did none it's of that. It's a botch job. But it's a, uh, yeah, and, it is a botch job. And um, it's a real uh, that time Gordon Ramsay got his forehead filled in. For me, we're we're already running a little long. But the last thing I want to say about this is, for me, this is a pre-order problem what what happened is like this game like got announced and then a shitload of people pre-ordered it and when pre-order sales are high it removes the need to make a good game because people have already purchased it if pre-orders don't exist for your game you're trying to in the months before it's released make your game as good as humanly possible right like you need to make it as good as possible so that people will buy it but if people have already told you that they're pain pigs and they're gonna buy it then why do you need to put any time into it they've already bought it so it's like I think this comes down to the pre-order problem again, and that's all I'll say about that. Um, as for me, I'll just start really quickly. We'll get into this more next week. I bought the new Call of Duty, guys. Wow. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. Um, oh, no. For oh, me. no. For me. For, I mean, it means I'm going to have to play it. Some quick, some really quick takes. It hasn't changed at all Fuck. since, like, 2010. God damn it. <laughs> um, it's it, like like uh, this is like a, a like a, a remake of I guess the original. Uh, a lot of the online maps are exactly the same too, so I like know the maps already. Um, the gameplay hasn't changed at all. In fact, the only thing that's changed is that the bad guys are now white Russians. It feels like I'm playing the Mueller report, uh, <laughs> and it is 
not good, but it looks visually amazing. Uh, so we'll get a lot more into all that. Yeah, I get teased. We're gonna do an episode, and <laughs> I'm gonna weeks. fucking hate it. But <laughs> let's I, am, get to I hate shooting games, and I'm very bad at them. Quick yeah. news segment that we need to shoot off right now. Welcome back, Sam Weller, to Toxic or Toxic. I'm saying welcome back, but this is your first time. I'm gonna read stuff that happened in the week of video game news, and you're gonna tell me from the gut if you feel like it's toxic, as in bad incel gamer culture get it off my internet sure or if it's toxic as in the britney spears song which is a hit a banger a slap and a good thing all right new story number one google stadia has so many complaints it's turning into a free service over the next couple months uh i think that's toxic okay Do I have to expand upon why? You don't, that you don't, that you would don't be cool. To. I mean, we can move, but if you have we a thing. No, I, 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 this Google Stadia thing, I remember mm. when I first heard about it, I, yeah. like, I felt like my, my goose pimples go up on my arm. Sure. I felt like, similar to the feeling you had earlier, where it's like, I, want it, I wanted it to be good. I think everybody wanted it to be good. But the moment you start analyzing it and realizing like the biggest announcement that mm-hmm. they made for it was like a PowerPoint presentation where they just said, look at this number. Now look at this number. Mm-hmm. Really, and like really that bad was keynote. it. Like, like a they, had no, they had no perception of how to like continue to sell this thing. They had zero grip. It's kind of amazing, actually, like how little plan they had. Considering that like you had a brand as big as Google, but then I, I, I was listening to other, I don't know, there must be other video game podcasts, but but this is the only one I listen to, mm-hmm. um, yes. is uh, they were discussing it and they were saying like, they have a track record of doing this where the yeah. Google will announce a project or a thing. And then it, it, it feels more like, Hey, welcome to the beta rather than like, they should have had yes. a stronger like launch idea to mm-hmm. it, but the whole thing still feels like a beta. And now the reputation is so knocked because they made it sound like it was a launch as opposed to, they should have right. been like, guys, we're kind of slow rolling mm-hmm. this out. They, they, the messaging was off. The numbers were off. PowerPoint's done. It's toxic. I mean, it's this, is toxic. Why, this is why Amazon keeps winning these wars with Google is because Google does that thing where they're like, here's the thing we're making. It comes out and feels like a beta. Amazon sometimes doesn't even announce shit. And it's just like, suddenly, you can you can rent quantum computing time from us. We didn't tell you you were going to do that. We didn't warn anyone, but now it's a thing you can do at AWS. Like here you go. Like Amazon reminds me of in Return of Skywalker when fucking all of the ships come out of the ground for no reason. That's like the Amazon marketing approach as opposed to the Google marketing approach, which is just like yelling about how people will eventually show up. I'm just saying, has Google created a single good product other than the Google. search? Other than Google? Um, other than just destroying the other five websites that did that thing? To the degree that they've influenced the development of my Android phone, which is pretty good. Okay, I guess some things like that, but I feel like they always create these products that are just like crappy as shit. Um, You're talking about like, yeah, physical consumer product is like not their strong suit. Yeah, it's not their strong suit. And you know, we all use Gmail, so please don't hack me. Yeah, but if there was a physical (laughs) Gmail, it would like implode upon like, uh, like, you know, physical Gmail. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. But, you know, I had high hopes for Stadia. You know, it was the team behind the Iowa app. So, you know, Shadow was working on it. Uh, And I'm (laughs) I'm just shocked that it like funded funded by acronym. I'm shocked it turned out the way it did. Uh, So I'm also going to give that a toxic shadow an offshoot of Spectre. Yes, the uh, James Bond Legion of Villains. I preferred Shadow when he was the Hedgehog (laughs) when he had a gun. (laughs) Uh, News story number two: Coronavirus may delay release of next gen consoles in China. That's toxic. <laughs> That's uh, literally and physically toxic. Like people are just dying of a disease. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, you know, in games, you, I almost wanted to be like a PSA, you know, like your brain on drugs, yeah. like in games, you can always respond. Yeah. But with coronavirus, it's game over. Sure. Like yeah. I, I, I just, uh, you know, everybody was, uh, everybody's had some scares about it. We've, we've had a little bit of landfall in the United States. I know they're still trying to contain it in China. I don't know if you guys ever touched on China and gaming. Never. <laughs> or, uh, oh, yeah, you that know, wasn't a thing show. we talked about for a month straight. Uh, yeah. So it's like, uh, I, I think uh, the Chinese populace deserves better mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. <laughs> not yeah. just uh, not just mm-hmm. their physical health. So. Yes. 
um, their their gaming health as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, I think it's a travesty. And I hope that uh, it doesn't uh, affect me getting a PS5 sometime in November. <laughs> That's the, uh, new- that would be the real fucking <laughs> grim outcome. The real tragedy. If guys. I was forced to get a PS5 in, say, January... I would say that's a pandemic disaster. Uh, moving on. This one's fun. I just like, I'm going to like, like again, Photoshop, just click and drag myself away for like this whole show. Uh, Cliff Blazinski says his game Lawbreakers wasn't successful because he was too woke. Don't you know that is toxic? <laughs> okay, I got to throw some Spears vibes on this one. Okay, so you know a little bit about the story. <laughs> no, I don't at all. Okay. I just, I just, yeah. I love the idea of Cliff mm-hmm. Blazinski just yeah. being like, guys, just too woke. Yeah. Like there's just, there's something really bold about that I, I, uh, so I'm, yeah. I'm just gonna yeah. shout it out okay let's, yeah. let's, let's, gotta, let's, lo- gotta show love to the name cliff blazinski that is real good <laughs> yeah that is real good bank robber as name you know for me i uh the the hairs on my neck stick up when anyone says that they are woke which make which t- to me says okay there's more to this story mm-hmm. uh like uh and so the game itself lawbreakers it was just a bad game it like sucked it wasn't pushing any progressive agenda agenda. It wasn't like talking about like trans rights or anything. Like he just says that he himself is a woke person online. And that's why people didn't like the game. Uh, I mean, I think uh, there's a term in the uh, melee community called uh, Johns or when you John, you know, it's like you make excuse for why Mm -hmm. you didn't do well in your match and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Smash brothers melee for Mm -hmm. the uninitiated. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I feel like maybe this is just a case of that. I think it's weird, though. Like, if the if the game just wasn't what it should have been, then please do not, like, make it seem as if it was just, like, a cultural disconnect. I mean, gaming culture already has disconnects as far as their sense of empathy mm-hmm. uh, enough. They're too uh, empathetic. Too, <laughs> but it's like... <laughs> Marks on their sleeves. <laughs> yeah, getting those goose pimples all the time. Getting the oogly googlies. But, uh... It, it, it to me, it's just it's it's a weird thing to say. And I yes. feel like um, there's a level of word salad that you can get into when you're asked uh, about a topic too many times. And yes. so maybe upon reflecting on it, maybe Cliff Lazinski is a quote unquote woke individual. Maybe yeah. he is has had his mind changed about certain issues. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, like, do not retroactively try to fit that into a situation <laughs> where it doesn't apply. But uh, regardless, for him putting that out there, it's toxic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like any of the characters wearing like pussy hats in the game or something. Sure. Like, uh, the wokest like, thing you can do. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that is woke shit, right? Like, <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> Sorry, bros. I'm on my woke shit now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> sorry dudes uh elizabeth warren um anyways. Uh, anyways i think we all felt good about that um and uh and you said uh she who must not be named so i must move on uh to the that's one final. of our secret codes in the show <laughs> i i have literally stepped into this completely uninitiated to the political leadings of this program oh that's quite all right i'm trying and i'm trying to protect you um, <laughs> just know that i have a i have a cage around me just, yeah. <laughs> a shield of protection wow. it's one yeah. of those hamster balls, just very big, so that Griffin can't get at him. I certainly can. I'm in Texas. I'm just saying we gotta abolish ICE to get stop these kids in cages. Uh, <laughs> final news story, and it's to a big stop one. Stop these kids! Oh, wait, I, did, yeah, I, I said it wrong. <laughs> these kids in cages are going wild. <laughs> yeah, we, we need bigger stop. cages, double cages. Uh, okay. Uh, final news story. Death Note creator releases a new one-shot story about Donald Trump buying the Death Note for $10 trillion. An important side note of this story, Donald Trump's character promises to buy the Death Note and never use it, folks. (laughs) Uh, Is there a third option for this where I am like stunned into silence? (laughs) So I I used to do a lot of anime and and manga coverage on... um, on a website uh, that no longer uh, exists, but uh, Death Note was always held up to like this high esteem. And I did hear that they came with a new chapter recently, but I thought it was about a separate character. It was like a reboot. I I got the Shonen Jump app on my phone. It is about a separate character. Yeah. And this this new kid has decided to auction off the Death Note. And so- uh, Are you kidding me? That is the actual twist? Yes. and then, and then uh, the auction bidders uh, that come head to head are Donald Trump and Jing 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 Jinping, like China's 
Jinping, yeah. Yeah, China's guy. Xi Jinping. China's like number one supreme China's number Stoke. one guy. So <laughs> it's like a butter battle book situation where it's like, well, I butter side up and I butter side down. And we have the big bean that's going to destroy everything, <laughs> but we're not. Are we going to use it? I don't know. It's the last page of the book. I like this idea that Trump promises to not use isn't, it. Like, I, <laughs> I, I read a couple excerpts. I think I read the end. Isn't the end that Trump buys it and then the Shinigami reveals that like, you can't buy or sell it, and if you buy it, you die. And then Trump's like, "No!" And then it's like end of thing. <laughs> what kind of a what kind of a narrative is that anyway? I, I'm I'm baffled. I've by seen this. like four okay. disjuncted pages, so I don't really know. The this whole. is one of our first opt outs on toxic or toxic, and I that's okay. You don't have to pick a side. The I, longer I, toxic or toxic went went on, the the le, the, <laughs> the like more, little little. I more, wanted to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The more landmines I threw your way. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how do you feel about being woke, Elizabeth Warren, and then Hillary Clinton? Okay. I well. wanted to be clear. Super dating simulator <laughs> stands for inclusiveness and love for everyone. So that's all I'm going to say to all that. But well, I appreciate you guys' ragtag spirit. That was... <laughs> you're, you're, not, you're not trying to get the mods on us. Okay. Do you have mods? <laughs> There's mods that can ban us from our own subreddit. <laughs> Someone please bring us back in there. Yeah, it's been in. months. It's been months. Save the game. Hashtag save the game, boys. Cold well, hungry months. We really need to get to the meat of this episode. It's already been a meaty episode. Yeah, we've been uh, a while. We have a, we have a lot of work to do. So let's get right <laughs> into it with a little bit of history about this episode. Z goal? We'll see. The word lore comes from an old English word lar, which means instruction. It's defined as knowledge and traditions of a particular group, frequently passed along by word of mouth. Lore as we've come to know it in the modern century is the past history of world events that preceded the current present of your television, book, or movie. Video games at their inception were too simplistic for lore. No one was digging deeper into the lore behind why Pac-Man needed those white dots, but perhaps they should have. Lore has become one of the primary reasons people love video games. Games today are littered with hundreds of objects and tech screens that extend the world of the games past the base content of gameplay. Hundreds of thousands of YouTube videos have been made about the lore behind video games from Dark Souls to Halo. And today, we dive into one of the loriest games of all time. This week, it's Mortal Kombat 11 and every other game that preceded it. <laughs> All right. Shit. War. So I I proposed this topic to the Game Boys, and you know the first thing that I realized after getting off of a Facebook Messenger was just how dense the lore of Mortal Kombat is. It's fucking nuts. People give me a Kingdom Hearts fan shit. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, do we talk enough about Mortal Kombat? I think we should still give you <laughs> yeah, shit. No, I don't think. A nice try, bud. But you still, it's it's worse. That's still worse. Um, the one thing I kind of want to relate to is you said lore, something passed by word of mouth, and yeah. I think that's appropriate for what we're about to do here, which is in no way comprehensive, mm -hmm. in no way the most detailed or, or comprehensible or comprehensible. But the thing that I wanted to bring up about lore in video games is how much. Like, and I'm using Mortal Kombat as my lens here, but yeah. just like as a, as a larger conversation mm -hmm. is like when a video game does a great job of like hinting at the edges of something and implying lore. Um, and then when it goes explicitly into it, it almost goes too far. Mm -hmm. And then in the case of Mortal Kombat 11, they find such a great way to take the things that you like remember mm -hmm. and then the things that they took very seriously for multiple installments. <laughs> yes. And yet make that feel like we all had the same Thing, experience journey. like we all had the same journey even if i didn't play mortal kombat 2 3 or 4 they're like bringing back all of the events of those yeah like like the moment in mortal kombat 11 when you first like visit outworld again because you know uh let's let's lay some groundwork Mortal Kombat is a video game series that sort of chronicles the conflicts between multiple realms, all vying for 
uh, supremacy over the rest of them. Yes. And the con- the conceit of it is that this can only be decided if one realm defeats another for mm-hmm. 10 consecutive tournaments mm-hmm. and that it, the, the combat must be done by mortals, quote unquote, people that can die, can be hurt, can be injured. Uh, and and then then there's only one champion of one at whatever realm. That's a win in their corner. We do this again next year. Yes. Uh, so it's fairly intense in that regard. Uh, as far as like okay realms and all this stuff, uh, Outworld is like you know this kind of like demonic realm. Nether realm is that world's hell. Uh, oh shit! I got that wrong. I like already confused. Yeah, I thought those were the same place. So, nope. so like. <laughs> <laughs> Nether realm, I think, is outworld as well as earth realm's hell. So earth realm, it's our world, right? Sure. Outworld, this is like weird demon Lovecrafty weird outer demons, space. Sorcerers live there. Magic mm-hmm. exists. There's also um, a few other things I didn't know about, but are referenced continually. Is Adenia, which is usually seen as a sort of like a, a our Earth if it was more mystical. Yes. But it's often used in the lore as saying like that was a realm that fell a long time ago. Yeah, like, and like you don't want the fate of Adenia to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Elder Gods, which sort of the are the council of you know people. Um, you know, like Raiden, uh, mm-hmm. the Raiden, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Uh, God of Thunder, um, that sort of presides over uh, these certain things. Everything. And are also yeah. in the lore, absolutely fucking useless. Yes, <laughs> but similar to Raiden, yeah. who also shows himself to be useless in multiple ways. Yes. Um, the thing that I kind of want to get around to mm-hmm. saying is that. When we were first playing Mortal Kombat, you know, 92 or whatever, 91 even, Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo was Mm -hmm. in the arcades. um, And a lot of the backgrounds to the game alluded to this story that was only kind of like flashed up on the screen and like the teasers, you know, like Mm -hmm. Liu Kang has entered the tournament. Like, huh? Liu Kang, White Mm -hmm. Lotus. Who's those guys? Uh, And then like in the backgrounds, it would reference Shang Tsung, the wizard and the Mm -hmm. island in which they were fighting. It would reference uh, the pit, you Mm -hmm. know, this, this. This realm where you can't come back from, uh, not realm, but like mm-hmm. this location and people like tied up and then all of a sudden like Goro shows up and he's got four arms. Oh, Goro's from Outworld. And like, yes. so uh-huh. a lot of this stuff was like around the fringes yeah. and beyond the frenzy of the game's violence being like the the main communicator of mm-hmm. what was what was fun about it. I found myself more intrigued by like the variety of ninjas yes. that were there. Everybody's weird powers. Yeah. Um, and so to me, Mortal Kombat, and, and, and then, you know, you have the one storyline that goes through Mortal Kombat 1 through 3. Then you have another kind of rung of the story yes. that happens with Mortal Kombat 4 through about 6 or 7. And then when you start getting around Mortal Kombat 8, which I think was part of their crossover with mm-hmm. DC, Mortal yeah. Kombat versus DC, it really only starts to come back around to what we, I think, in the modern age know as Mortal Kombat 9 through 11, which right, is sort of their... Eight yeah. is Armageddon, which is where yes. like everyone dies and the timeline and gets comes reset. Back. Yes. Right, everyone dies, and then Raiden reset like Raiden then goes back in time and tells himself a secret message. Um, and then the story starts over again at the first Mortal Kombat, yeah. but with Raiden knowing the secret message and trying to like change the exactly. world. Exactly. So in a truncated sense, you follow sort of our core heroes, Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, Sonya Blade. They sort of form mm-hmm. like the triumvirate and with Raiden and they go through tons of different adventures through mm-hmm. one through three. Yeah. Uh, they have the tournament on Earth in the one. They have the Outworld tournament in two. In three, they resurrect Shao Kahn's like wife and she comes back mm-hmm. and then they try to invade the realm again. So you know, there's wikis and videos dedicated to all the intricacies. Right. But then again, what you referenced, Lux, what it ends up being in nine is this really cool cinematic kickoff to saying, let's look back at the events of Mortal Kombat 1. Let's recontextualize all that lore and the story that we were telling. Mm-hmm. And let's try and like push a new thing forward to where by the end of 11, again, spoilers, you have this main villainous, Kronika, mm-hmm. who literally is like an elder <laughs> god of time or birth one of the two or three of the elder She's gods. Like the elder god of like sativa like getting hella blazed <laughs> yeah of dr dre um <laughs> yeah <laughs> no she's yeah, got she this has the two kids yeah. um i can't remember their fucking stupid names but there's the they're like they basically represent like two sides like light and dark and she has the two kids and they're like one was a big bad throughout like most of the first 10 games eventually raiden kills that guy and i think 10 and then his sister shows up in 11 along with yeah. his mom and it becomes crazy 
Yeah. Uh, Liu Kang has lived and died multiple times. Johnny Cage uh, died, but then Raiden ended up saving him. And then he ends up having a daughter mm-hmm. with Sonya Blade named Cassie Cage. And and so, like, then they tried to, like, push this new set they called the Combat Kids, mm-hmm. which were, like, it was Jax's daughter and, and Sonya Blade's daughter. They were, like, working together. Like, Yeah, regardless, there's so many iterations and so many different histories within this fighting game that could just be about fighting, uh, but they've decided to add all this extra it reminds me a lot of and i won't get political but it reminds me of politics it's like it or it's like this dense it's like when you it's like oh man like i'm like i don't even want to get into like into because it's like i would have to like spend so devote so much myself to figuring all this shit out you know uh and it is such a insular community in the sense that they don't really care about being welcoming like they care about the story and like all the densities of it like it's not really trying to bring that many new people in every new game starts like a tv episode where you were expected to watch the one before it like is there that much recapping at all for like players i mean 11 picks up basically at the, the end of 10 after of 10. So yeah. it's just like, yeah, like you, you, you're like this game almost like uh, uniquely like demands you to like do outside research on it. Yeah. And, and, but I, I would say, you know, in their, in their attempts to try and like, you know, do something with, with the story that they created, um, they do try to bring people in, which is part yeah. of like what revisiting the events of one was about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I mean, as far as the fighting game community's insularity, I mean, they'll get hardcore, you know, they want to, yeah. they want to get into the mechanics. I mean, we're not even really talking about that for this mm-hmm. particular discussion, but I think that Mortal Kombat is a Unique entity in fighting games mm-hmm. and in and other things, especially for a Western franchise that concerned itself so much with like the background of the story, which mm-hmm. when you look into it is kind of funny because most of it was birthed out of their acknowledgement of the mistakes and like the little secrets that yeah. people weren't meant to find out sure. about characters. Noob Saibot being a reference yeah. to, you know, Tobias, uh, you know, who, who uh, Ed Boone and John Tobias, you know, the people that like made the game and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Scarlet, who was a debug character or something in one of the games, then later becomes an actual like blood wizard which is one of the coolest things that they, they can think of. If you're going to be a wizard, go yeah. full blood. Yeah. But that's the other thing too about the lore is like they'll acknowledge things in the past. They'll like dig deep and like, mm-hmm. and I think that's the reason why people get so passionate about it is because this is at least a group of creators that understands that for the people that take it seriously, right. they will take it just as seriously yeah. as you do. Uh-huh. And then they, and then in 11, I think they sort of reap all of that when they go, let's acknowledge the fact that these characters probably have some type of emotional impact on us, uh-huh. even if it's like a memory of of what we think that character was like. Sure. And I think it's very rare for games to do that where they really tug on your heartstrings. Like Johnny mm-hmm. Cage was just meant to be like a parody of like Tom Cruise yeah. and and a stuck and, mm-hmm. and and people that were like stuck up egotistical Hollywood maniacs. Yeah. And then by the end of Eleven, he's a dad mm-hmm. who's coming to rectify like the jerky self that he used to be. Mm-hmm. And he's like one of Earth's greatest defenders. Because he's a Scientologist. That's right. Yeah, like Tom Cruise. Um, yeah, no, it's it's wild. It's also really interesting when. So I did a, a, a we both Griffin and I did a big time lore deep dive Mortal Kombat before doing this. Um, and it's interesting because there are some things they feel like they are really smart about knowing what to go in on and what they can just hand wave. Like for instance, like Kung Lao gets his neck broke in Mortal Kombat three, yeah. and then just shows up again in Mortal Kombat four, and at no point does anyone really deal with that at all. But then like. <laughs> They go very deep on like the difference between like when Sub Sub Zero is Sub Zero versus when he becomes like what he becomes does he become Noob Saibot or whatever or becomes Sector yeah yeah the original Sub Zero gets banished and then is resurrected as Noob Saibot right exactly yeah. and so but then like of course when they, and then they draw <laughs> the, the distinctions between like the old Sub Zero new Sub Zero all the stuff so they're really smart about knowing like when to go deep like I don't give a shit mm-hmm. how Kung Lao came back but I do give a big shit about like the very con- <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all the, the very zeros. complicated internal relationships of all these crazy ninjas. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing, too, I want to bring up is like it's similar to G.I. Joe. We're like, yes, I was getting major G.I. Joe vibes off this. So in G.I. Joe, like if you talk to somebody that is a G.I. Joe fan, they would tell you about the intricate like conflicts between Cobra and the Joes or just the conflict between Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a very similar thing, I think, to Scorpion and Uh Sub-Zero, where you kind of are only invested in that because, well, they're just the coolest motherfuckers. Like Sub-Zero is an ice ninja. Scorpion (laughs) is a hell demon who happens to be a ninja. 
ninja yeah. who, who maybe has a snake come out of his hands or chains, whatever. It, var- uh, it varies. It varies, right? It varies. Uh, and so, but what I think is funny is like any chunk of this lore would probably be enough lore yeah. for like any franchise. For but anything. then in Mortal Kombat, they're like, nah, we're going to do the Lin Kuei. They all want to turn their followers into cyborgs. Why? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Isn't cyborg ninjas cool enough? Are you not entertained? Yeah, yeah and I love a little that, bit like, like, well, it's cool. That's why we're doing it. In a, in a <laughs> sort of more annoying, like fantasy world building sort of scenario, you'd have a whole thing about how like, like Sub-Zero is a rogue because he doesn't want to be a cyborg and like what's the political tension of Sub-Zero versus the, ro- the ninjas who do want to be cyborgs and blah 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 mm-hmm. and this game is just mm-hmm. like no 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 Sub-Zero is cool because he's sweet he doesn't want to be a cyborg because of what happened to his brother everyone yep. else is cyborgs because that's awesome Sh- like just take it just take this fucking like crazy lore world we've built and like we don't need to build a Game of Thrones into it or anything like it can just exist as it, as it is and I think that's mm-hmm. like they're just really good at like shamming crazy shit in there and then not asking too many questions about it and just like letting it go which is that's how i like it Mm -hmm. and now they got to a point where with you know the next world combat whenever that's going to come around you know there is a sense of anticipation now they've they've utilized the lore in a sense of saying we now have can have a reason why you know we're we're going into it and maybe we're using lore interchangeably with like what the storyline was but i think the lore has everything to do with this and like the amount of characters and things like that because because this game centers around time time travel so mm-hmm. actually everything is sort of a, a meditation on the lore of the series because the function of mortal Kombat uh, uh, mortal Kombat 11 is to be like remember all your favorites and now we're wiping the slate clean that's because, right like the game ends with uh kang and like what's her Luke kang and raiden and, sort of fuse yeah. and then uh and katana the powers, and Luke kang and it's you like, know okay enough of all this time yeah. bullshit we're moving forward from here they defeat chronica like, and it's <laughs> Luke kang and katana i think depending on the ending too i think yeah. there's if a couple you, speaking of multiple endings if yes. you beat yeah. if you beat chronica without losing around it's luke kang katara like mm-hmm. are in love and like remake the world together as like king yeah. and queen of time if you do it when you lose just, a, if you do it and lose around it's raiden and luke kang and then if you lose like you just you lost speaking of uh speaking of chronica and just a solid side note i love when when games get so i guess like uh, they have to keep raising the stakes so they get more and more otherworldly there's larger gods that power are in control creep. but the solution to fighting the god of time is just to punch her in the face like at the end of the day you still that's just that's with, how you to still be fair, with lightning fire magic <laughs> But yeah. it, that's similar to like Goku having or Vegeta or any of the yeah. Dragon Ball Z characters having to to find a never too unheard of levels of, of, of energy power yeah. to ultimately just punch somebody to else. Ultimate, yes. Effectively. There's no it's like, effective punching. Of, yeah. And Liu Kang was known for I mean, the, the whole way that he defeated Shao Kahn originally was he just punched him hard enough to make a hole in his chest. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, this just follows suit. So I guess my one of my big questions then is, yeah, like this lore is like many lores where if you get into the nitty gritty to someone who hasn't played, this is all just gibberish. But what is like one of the big standouts that separates this video game lore from like other similar types of dense lore games? I mean, I think it would have to be it's it's incredibly it's an, it's an incredibly well-developed tone. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that Mortal Kombat does because of how violent and how extreme yeah. all of the characters and their backstories are. With the, the, like we've said, there's blood wizards. There's a whole race of mm-hmm. people, the Tarkartans, which is Baraka with the blade. The, literally, their mouths and their hands are filled with blades. You got you bug know, people uh, and lizard bug people. people. Blood mm-hmm. people, bug people, lizard people, cats and dogs living together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's so crazy that... Yeah, that and then with the fatalities, bird people, uh, that um, that that the tone of it maintains this level of camp. Yes, that uh, never like winks too hard and like betrays your trust in the story, mm-hmm. nor does it like excuse the fact that what is happening is ridiculous. And I think yes. the tone of it being that the characters in that world take it seriously. Uh-huh. And even when stuff is ridiculous, it's presented like, oh, my God, what? Mm-hmm. And so. They know what they're doing. Yes. And, and I think that this is the, it, 
you know, when you have, when you said Game of Thrones, and, and I know there's other lore that does this, lore that is stupid and ridiculous, mm-hmm. but it takes itself too seriously. Yes. I think that the characters take it seriously, but they don't shy away from continuing to be a little ridiculous, uh-huh. which is tough. I think that's a tough line. Yeah, they mm-hmm. do a great job, and I think that's exemplified in the sort of tower endings, because the thing about Mortal Kombat 11 that makes it so fun and makes it so lore-centric, like, in terms of the game itself, is that you can play through the tower where you're fighting all the different, you fight all the different guys, and if you get to the end, the guy you towered with is the new protector of time person. And everyone gets a different crazy ending where they get to like be in charge of time. And so like, yeah, yeah. for instance, Johnny Cage's ending is both really good as far as pathos goes. Cause we see that Johnny Cage has learned a big lesson where like, right. he can't just will himself to be cool. He has to go through all the struggles and shitty times to become mm-hmm. the cool guy. He eventually becomes so some pathos there. Also, it's very silly because like, it means Johnny Cage has to be a big idiot all the time in order to like grow up to be cool. And then right. also Johnny Cage is like descended from earth warrior battle princes and has like magical blood that makes him awesome at fighting. And that's all happening at the same time that and it all comes out in his ending and whatever. And like, that's, that's like what you're talking about. Like that's that mix of camp where there's like there's pathos, there's wackiness and there's like over the top zaniness and all of it comes together to be like mm-hmm. there's not really another lore that like is as serious about being crazy as Mortal Kombat is serious about being crazy in a way that's really there's, there's great. There's never a moment where an outside narrator is going to go pretty dumb, right? Yeah. Like nobody does that in Mortal Kombat. There's no it's winking at the yeah. camera. It's all no. just like this is the The only deal. winking they do is in the fatalities, which are almost sort of treated as this like separate thing because yes. even in the story mode, right. you could just murder somebody and then the next cutscene starts, ah, we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> you only I mean, burst my chest next, open. Fucking next cutscene, like, yeah, or like it'll like rounds. Like you'll hit x-ray moves, like split dudes in half and it'll be like round two. Round two. <laughs> and it's like, I just watched myself break your spine. Like we yeah, can't yeah. be doing this. Going back to what you said about consistent tone. Yes, I would say the one word I have for this game game's lore is unapologetic like yeah. they do not give a fuck and they very earnestly want to do everything they want to do in this game and it does feel like it is a shit show but it is a co it is a, a consistent shit show as opposed to uh, a favorite lore series of mine like kingdom hearts where <laughs> i feel like lesser teams of people get to have their own iterations with these side games and these like these mobile games and these like handheld games Games. And then like the real team has to like pick up the pieces of that in the like the main console entries and they feel very disparate from each other. They feel like they don't necessarily like mesh. Whereas like I feel like Mortal Kombat like owns all of its past and mistakes and is still just like the same guys doing the same thing. And there is something consistent about that shit show that I don't feel like in a Kingdom Hearts. Um, and and then in other, in other games, we get like a Dark Souls thing where mm-hmm. uh, the lore is so oblique and like obtuse that it's like it's difficult to access or like find and you have to like seek it out or have like a nerd and- loser like tell it all to you. Uh, hey, most hey, of the stuff... Well, welcome to Game Boys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Most of the stuff in Mortal Kombat, uh, you don't you don't have to uh, like read a weird poem and compare it to like an Mm. inscription on a sword to get a story out of it. Um, Well, that's related to the gameplay, which I think is kind of interesting. It's like some games you play because you want to dive into the lore and Mm -hmm. you almost play the game to like get to the story or get to the parts that you want. I think a lot of people love RPGs because they kind of and maybe this is a Kingdom Hearts thing, too. I mean, ultimately, like. What is more compelling to you uh, about Kingdom Hearts? Is it the lore and the story unfolding or is it the games themselves? It's the vibes. Um, I, t- I I've said there many, you go. I've said many times before. Kingdom Hearts is is, is greater than just any <laughs> of its vibes. any of its story it tells. It's um it's about it's about like um it's about like a genuine emotion. And I feel like very few video games try to uh just give to just try to have it's like all about feels. Sure. Then more than like the story making sense. Well, it's uh, a it's very when like it, when it succeeds at that. Yeah, it's very soap opera. <laughs> Griffin just like grabbing at straws to make Kingdom Hearts sound good. <laughs> Uh, vibes, feels, it's, it's, vibes, feels, I, Donald Duck. About, it's about orbs, you know. It's all about it's orbs. A, it, I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not here to harsh your buzz or your uh-huh. vibes. Yeah. Uh, and no vibe check. We're good. Okay. Um, but it's like, for me, I think that there's 
some games that I think people play through reluctantly almost because they mm-hmm. want to ingest the lore and they want to ingest the story mm-hmm. more than they want to play the game. And I think for me, like I remember Bloodborne when that came out, yes. I got way more interested in like watching people play that because yeah. I thought that world, the lore of that world was friggin' awesome totally. and so cool and creepy mm-hmm. and different. I don't like horror stuff usually, but yeah. I I am a big follower of a Junji Ito. It's like horror. Oh, hell yeah. Bloodborne's like horror light. Yeah, like, you know, but that's like, like a macabre. Stuff. Like that, yeah. the term I use for like horror macabre. light is like yeah. it's yeah. macabre yeah. or yeah. it's yeah. you know uh, sort of twisted. I something. beat Bloodborne. I can't tell you what it's about. But that's the <laughs> thing about it is like if you go into the side quests, like you'll yeah. get like the different stories and stuff like that. And sure. and with Ju- I mentioned Junji Ito because. You know, the way he does his stories are very like creepy and interesting. And and I'll force my way through something, even if I'm scared, because I find the the stuff that he 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 is pulling from and, and the world that he is building is often really great. And mm-hmm. so that's how I want to engage with. Cool. Yeah, I mean, awesome. And, yeah. Bloodborne also has some real Ito vibes and just how twisted up and messy everything is. God, yeah. Junji Ito, the best. Very, well, the best. very excited for the Uzumaki anime thing that's coming out. Me. Two and we'll you'll hear about that all on our Patreon episode. Uh, well, we'll go to a commercial break and we'll give our final thoughts about the lore of this game after this. Hey there, internet! Welcome back to the Game Boys Podcast. My name is Lux. I'm still your host, your co-host, still Griffin Davis. Your guest is still Stan Weller, and we're still talking about the lore of Mortal Kombat 11. And this is the part of the game or show where we rate that game, boys, girls, and friends beyond the binary. I guess we're more rating the lore than the game, but it doesn't matter. The principle still applies the same. We're going to go in a circle and give our final thoughts and a rating on a scale of one to five joysticks. And so, Sam, you are our guest, so you go first and let it rip. Mortal Kombat lore gets a five out of five joysticks for me. Uh, Again, yeah, it's hard to kind of like judge this against its peers because it's literally the art of saying something. (laughs) But (laughs) but I think for all the reasons that we've said, Mortal Kombat has been an enduring uh, lore throughout multiple game iterations. It's it's maintained its sense of self. It set itself up for the future. Um, There are very few franchises in the very short history of video games that can say that they've been as consistent with their lore as Mortal Kombat. Hmm. I fuck with that answer. Um, yeah, that, wow, Lux, Lux, so, you go second. So briefly, there was a brief period where I was thinking about starting a podcast where I'd read and review the novelizations of things, and I read a lot of those novelizations to prep for it, and uh, they sucked mm. a lot of ass. Um, yeah. They're mostly really bad. But mm. that said, this like what we've talked about, everything I researched, like I would read Mortal Kombat novelizations tomorrow. Um, like on the bus or whatever, like that would be something I would probably do for fun. Um, I don't think I can quite give it a five just because like, I don't, I just like, it's just a little bit too messy and confusing. And there are things that like drive me nuts about it. But as far as like being super rad and being super fun, like it's an easy four and a half for me. Like this game is like the lore of Mortal Kombat shit is just like, it's wild and it's fun. And like, I mean, we, we, I mean, we've talked about this before. Like, that's the shit that I like. Like, when things are just, like, unabashedly insane and crazy. And look at my wrestling show. Like, it's fucking nuts. Um, I love this kind of shit. Mortal Kombat is, like, a great embodiment of that. Yes. And I, uh, I also agree. Um, I think this game is also wild and fun. And like I said earlier, I think more consistent than a lot of other long running game franchises. It it does still feel like it has a similar voice, um, throughout all of its games, which I really appreciate when it comes to lore. Um, so it's not just like a bunch of different teams of nerds, like just kind of like, like just wiping the slate clean every time. There's something I respect about that a lot. Um, the, and the only thing for me that's missing about this game is what I mentioned earlier, which is the feels, the emotion, the vibes. Maybe part of that is that I haven't played through all of these games, so I just don't You've played love every, these you characters. Played every this, Kingdom Hearts, so of course you have feelings about it. Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying that there is there is something to, like, I don't know if I would ever become emotionally attached to, like, Cassie Cage's story in the same way that I would be attached um, to say uh, Goofy. Aqua. To say Goofy, <laughs> to say, like, Mickey Mouse, um, or Aqua. to say, like, some of the characters Characters in like a Fallout game um, or no, something like fair. that, um, and, and I think that's what keeps it from the the golden score. And I'm gonna give it four to five joysticks. It's an excellent lore, and <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna play Mortal Kombat 11 now. I also we should do more lore episodes. This was super fucking fun. Yeah, this um, was good. Uh, this was super duper fun. Um, speaking of things that were super duper fun, having you on the show, Sam, has been super duper fun, and I'm a hundred percent confident that people who are listening are gonna want to know where they can find more of you and more of what you do. So tell them about it. 
Awesome. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or find me on Facebook at Yeah Sam Weller. Y E A H Sam Weller, all one word. Um, and you can find Super Dating Simulator on Instagram and on Facebook at Super Dating Simulator. Um, again, we perform Fourth Fridays, eight o'clock at the Pack Theater in Los Angeles, California, and we have our first show at the Alamo Draft House. But uh, we got our first show there, and. Uh, that is going to be happening uh, February 12th. So, um, yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I think this also clocks the first podcast that I never brought up pro wrestling. Uh, even Which is wild I because I'm about to. Time. Okay. Well, that's great. <laughs> because worry, what I have to you. plug is that we are a month and a week and a couple of days away from Party World Wrestling Presents the Rawhide Rave. Um, it's cowboys, it's rave music, everyone's gonna love it, and the Indiegogo is gonna go live in a couple of weeks, and we, as always, would love your help, and you can buy cool shirts, or I think we have pants again, I don't know, I'm not in charge of that part of the show, I just make the videos, but there's gonna be a lot of cool stuff, uh, that's worth checking out, so check out Party World Wrestling, Rawhide Rave, also, Back on Not Even a Show, so check out Not Even a Show where we prank call the alt-right, and, uh, that's about it for me. Congrats on having a, a wrestling show name that... People can understand this time. As what was it? It was when it was a word I didn't know, and I kept having like, being like, "What does that mean?" I'd be like, "Honestly, I don't know." I, I voted for Vape Smith. <laughs> um, as for me, uh, we have uh, we have an excellent new "Nobody Yell Me" coming out in a couple of weeks. Get your tickets now because they're going to sell it soon. Because we've got some of our biggest guests yet. We've got some stand-up from Marcella Arguello and some performance of some sort. We're not sure exactly what it is yet from Demi Adijuibe, uh, who is also very funny. Demi and fucking I rules. probably slaughtered his last name. I have two weeks to work on that before I announce him on stage. Uh, so come to that show, Eventbrite.com. Uh, nobody yelled at me. Yeah, February check it 20th. out. It's going to be extremely rad. Um, let me just plug for producer Haley. As always, you can check out her stuff at uh, Eat Every Sound on Instagram for her cool food at ASMR videos. And also this week, she's on the podcast Memory Static with our friend Bailey. Uh, she's talking about one of her favorite movies, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Um, Big Structural Bailey? It's not Big Structural Bailey. It's just regular oh, okay. Bailey. <laughs> um, uh, she's talking about Adventures of Baron, Mon or Baron Munchausen, and it's great. I've listened to the episode. She's awesome. The episode's awesome. The podcast is awesome. So check out Memory Static and check out Haley on the, the new episode. It's really great. And also, donate to Bernie Sanders. Or text for Bernie if you can't afford to donate. You can caucus. I sent 50 whatever. fucking texts while I was taking a shit today. It's not hard to text for Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And he, and he sent them all to me, which doesn't help. But, you know, spread them out. I only have one number in my phone. <laughs> send, oh. send a few other places. But seriously, they're trying to rat fuck them. We got we have a rat problem, folks. Let's let's donate some money. <laughs> You thought I was making Sam uncomfortable. Oh. <laughs> All right. But that's going to be it for the show, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Lux. I'm your host, your co-host, Griffin Davis. Your guest is Sam Weller. Your editor, producer is Haley Clement. Your interaction music is by Matthew Moore. And your is by Brittany Metz. Goodbye, Internet. We love you very much. Mortal Kombat! Do, 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 do. Great. <laughs>